Good Gab, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. Hello, everybody. Good morning. We have Holly Goodman here, executive director and founder of the Isaac Foundation. Thanks for joining us this I'm morning. Really impressed. You didn't even have my business card in front of you. You nailed it. Yeah. Well, when you have great people in front of you, you just know. Well, thank. You. Well, so for the listeners, you know that don't know the Isaac Foundation as well as I do, um, t- tell us more. Yeah. Well, I my oldest son Isaac, when he was 15 months old, was identified with red flags for autism and was officially diagnosed right before his second birthday, which was very cutting edge at the time, because he would be 19 years old. Um, so that was a time frame where um, you know he was significantly impacted, and we did a lot of therapies and interventions. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away unexpectedly in 2007, and in the aftermath of that, I was very angry and frustrated because. Uh, there was a lot of challenges. Uh, we couldn't just focus every day on his uh, his therapies and helping him to be the best that he could be. We had to just, uh, just so many obstacles. And in the aftermath when he passed, I just thought, you know, if, they're, if I'm not going to have my son, the least I can do is try and improve some of these um, obstacles. And so I started the Isaac Foundation just actually four months after he passed away. And for the first eight years, we provided therapy grants because insurance was limiting and excluding services to children once they got diagnosed with autism. So every single year, we gave out therapy and intervention grants for families who had um, children that needed interventions, but insurance wouldn't cover it. And fortunately, in the state of Washington, we experienced some insurance reform. So insurance companies could no longer exclude benefits and services. Win. Yeah, very big win. So that meant that after all of these years of building these wonderful relationships with these families and knowing the obstacles and the gaps in services and supports, we decided to pivot and provide some of those ourselves. And that's what we do. Well, Spokane is uh, lucky to have uh, the foundation. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for uh, coming on today. Um, My pleasure. Curious, what's going on in your world? Uh, well, I mean, the good, the bad, and the ugly, or just the good? We're here to hear it all. Well, I mean, you know, we opened our new location, thanks to Skillskin, in our new building on Sharp. And it's crazy to me how if you build it, they will come. So in our last building, when we were out on East Broadway, it was like 1,100 square feet. Okay, that's pretty tight. Oh, it is tiny. Because you put nine kids in there, and, and, you know, they're busy because we're individuals on the autism spectrum and ADHD and hyperactivity, and, and man, it was, like, packed, and it would also heat up so fast. Oh, yeah, all the body heat. Oh, my gosh. Yes, and, of course, you know, um, young people and puberty and body odors it was like whoa it was a lot (laughs) so we um got into the new building thanks to skill skin so we have it's funny because just the clubhouse space i've done calculations because you know i love being counting and like spreadsheets and stuff you can you could put our entire office including the the staff offices and the bathrooms and everything in the space that the clubhouse kids now have to romp around in it's wow. huge. Yes. So it, it has been pretty amazing. But with that, you know, means that they keep wanting to bring more friends and they're recruiting more kids to come in, which is super great. Uh, so we're cooking. Yeah. So we went from about working with about 100, I think we figured 150 families a month in our last building to 
touching and working with a thousand individuals a month in the new building. So it's just like I said, it's just kind of mind blowing how, uh, yeah, how big your space. Yeah. And well, we can do things simultaneously now. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great, but you know, with all things there's, you know, we're still dealing with the same struggles that we have been struggling with for, for decades. So, you know, building definitely helps in some capacities, creating that connections and opportunities to engage and create meaningful relationships and parent support and education. But, you know, some of the bigger systems are still not correcting themselves like we had hoped. No doubt. Well, hopefully time and energy and focus can uh, correct some of this. But you know how it is, is that time, energy, and focus. uh, But there also has to be the the activation energy to make the shift. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like the initiative, like, so I'm on a panel tomorrow with Spokane Public Schools. Maybe I don't know if I should say that loudly or not, but um, so it's a parent panel because it's professional development day. So they're asking a group of parents to come and talk to answer questions about, you know, as a parent of special needs students in Spokane Public Schools, um, you know, what things are working? What do you wish that people have not said to you? And um you know, how do we feel about certain things? And one of the things that keeps coming up is that we're really pushing towards inclusion, which I love that. And yes. I had been fighting for that for a long time. But how it's rolling out is not what a parent would have hoped for. You know what I mean? And I think even for the students, because it's great. We have full inclusion schools where there's no segregation of special education and general education. But that's not inclusion. That's integration, right? Good distinction. Yes. So, and they're saying, well, how can we build better inclusion? And I have to be honest with you. It's not better preparing our kids with disabilities or asking the special ed teachers to do different or to get more parents. That's not the answer. The answer is, is that we need to be doing better learning for our gen ed students and our gen ed teachers. And it needs to start in kindergarten. So there's literally, they know nothing else but what full inclusion looks like starting at kindergarten, natural supports of their peers. You know, we help, you know, when one succeeds, we all succeed when we all, you know what I mean? So there has to be that mindset of just, you know, how do we, well, how do we improve the process? Spend time working with the gen ed students about what an inclusion model looks like and start doing it in kindergarten. So it's just every facet of who they are. Well, you're describing the hard work in my mind because it's one thing just to, you know, this is the way it'll be and set the rules and the boundaries, but to actually do the work. Yeah. It's tough. Oh, it is. It is. And, but the look on some of these people's faces, when I said this, this was just preemptively because they were telling us what the questions were going to be. And I was just like, I don't know if I should answer some of these questions. (laughs) Um, it was kind of the, the epiphany of what really needs to happen. Well, what you're describing is, you know, changing a, a culture, right? Mm-hmm. And why not start with the kids, right? When but they we've start changed the culture in so many different ways. Like think about when you were young and just like the LGBTQ plus community, right? It's so different now, which I Definitely. love everything about that. Even when you talk about segregation when it comes to race, totally different when we're talking about what we, what our 
life looks like now versus when like your grandparents were young. So it happens over time. Well, I, even when I was, you know, a little, uh, here in Spokane, you know, I went to Franklin elementary, but I didn't get any exposure to people living with disabilities until I was in this program called Tessera. They shipped us Ooh, up to Bryant. Pants. Don't you're, tell anybody. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you were in the gifted program, huh? No, just kidding. Well, that's how I ended yes. up learning was at Bryant because that is where everyone was. Yes. And so then that exposed me to, you know, a whole new world. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was very effective as far as like being able to like help me understand, hey, there's a big wide world, lots of different people. It's not scary. It's not. Okay. So with that being said, I, I'm probably older than you. I'm 46. So I'm probably. Um, not probably, by much. Okay. Well, uh, the gray hair probably, <laughs> you know, makes it look like it's much worse. But when I was a kid, I lived with my grandmother out in the valley for a year and best year of my life. And I lived right across the street from the elementary school that I ended up attending, which was Broadway Elementary. So this would have been in the 70s. Okay. And in the fifth grade, I think it started fourth, fifth, and sixth graders were allowed to sign up to be buddy partners for the self-contained classroom of kids with disabilities. And these were kids, I want to say there was like seven to nine of them in the classroom. A lot of them had mobility um, challenges. So there was wheelchairs. Um, you know, most of them were nonverbal. And uh, we would fight over who, um, cause there was only like seven to nine of them. And of course, all of us students wanted to sign up to be their buddy partner for the week. And so it was like the best week of school when it was like, your name was like the top of the list because you would go into the classroom, you would do fun things with them and you okay. kind of acted like a para in a little capacity. You would read to them. You would do some of the activities with them. Uh, you got to go to PE with them. And so like, you know, it was super fun when we got, I got to be like with some of the wheelchair kids. Cause it's like, oh my gosh, like we're going to totally rock this. Like, yeah, you know, we're going fast. We're going Fast, like, hold on. But we also spent our recesses with them. So uh, you got out of class a few minutes early, walked down to their classroom, picked them up, zoomed them out to the playground. And it was, I don't remember a lot about my childhood, but that was one of the funnest things that I ever did. And unfortunately, my grandma passed away um, this summer between my fifth and sixth grade year. So I ended up going back to um, live at my childhood home and the school that I went to didn't have that type of program, had never seen kids with disabilities to that level or degree ever at the school that I had attended up on the South Hill. I, that's, and, I wonder what inspired that program. It had to have been someone, no right? It started. Yes, but this said, was in the seventies and literally we all fought and we would rotate each time. So if I was with, you know, David, then the next time I was with like Joseph, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I got to work with the variety of them. Um, and again, some were ambulatory, some were not, but again, it was such a rewarding and fun experience. And I just think to myself, like that was, that is inclusion. Again, you owe the kids in fourth, fifth and sixth. It was like, yes, I am old enough now to do this. And it was very meaningful. I don't, I can't think of one student that wasn't fighting over like when it was buddy time. So um, it was just awesome. And, you know, you think about it now and it's like, we could just could be doing a lot of things well, better. Said, yeah, well, for sure. And I, it's a different shift evolves. of mindset. Yeah. It's a different shift of mindset because I wasn't afraid at that point about making a mistake because they didn't pepper your brain with all the things that you shouldn't say, shouldn't do. One of my biggest pet peeves now is, you know, John's son is 19 and he's significantly impacted with autism and it doesn't take long for people in the public to know that we've got 
a disability because uh, he stims and he's loud and well things don't always go as planned and then we're spending lots we're we are spreading a lot of autism awareness out in the public but uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is when you're sitting at a table and he's doing his thing and you know flapping and making noises and uh, you have kids that are turning around because they're curious and they're looking sure. at us and the parents are like don't stare it's like oh because um having us feel like we're invisible makes us feel so much better. Like, thanks so much. You know what I mean? And that's the thing is I never discourage kids from watching and observing him and you just normalize it because that makes sense. You know, you just have an honest conversation. Oh, Cooper has autism. So he doesn't talk, but you can figure out what he wants because if you watch what he's doing and some of the things that he repeats, like it's like solving a mystery. There's a code like that's trying crack it. So you can really normalize things if you just, you know, spend the time and effort so um it's not odd like uh you know i remember hearing that growing up maybe not around people with disabilities but just staring in general don't stare don't stare so this uh societal thing trying to not be rude but all of a sudden yeah we're taking away people's opportunity to learn and experience and include yes and also just i think as you get older you're so worried and paranoid about making a mistake and making you know so there's you know, like, oh, what's the etiquette or what's, you know, the the protocol? Well, again, I would much rather someone may, you know, especially with children, if we start little when they're younger, I think you just normalize it a lot easier. They're very curious and they're going to ask questions and you can clarify things and say, well, this is good, but here's what's better. Um, so, and, you know, doing it without shame or like, you know, oh, this was wrong. Although, I'm not going to lie. In our autism community, I get really annoyed with some of the jargon about, you know, language and, um, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of rigidity in our autism community. And uh, as a parent, as a as a professional, I've never felt more persecuted about um, labels, language, symbols than from people in my own autism community. It's just actually pretty terrible. But um, why so, is that? Uh, well, I mean, think about what autism is. We're a bunch of, um, we are a group of people that oftentimes are rigid in their thinking and their likes and dislikes. And also it's very difficult for some people on the autism spectrum to see things from another person's perspective. Uh, cause that takes a different mindset. I mean, empathy, um, is there, but it really has to be practiced and what does right. that look like and all the things. So I think it's really, uh, when you're talking about self advocates, you fall into the, you know, well, this is the way it is for me. So therefore it's, it must be that for all people, as opposed to seeing that, you know, for some, this works for others that doesn't work. And so that's where those that have the blessing of language and can communicate and articulate and, and advocate, that's so great. Uh, but someone has to also advocate for those that don't have a voice, which is where parents come in and sure. again, individuals like you at Skillskin. Uh, and you, it's not a one size fits all like in the LGBTQ plus community, love that community in the sense that it's like, think, look at that LGBTQ plus, And actually I don't even have it accurate anymore. Um, because it evolves and changes depending on pronouns and language that feels good to the individual. Yeah. A big umbrella, a big umbrella. So everybody can pick that can evolve. Yes. Right. But you know, in our autism community, we don't have that same empathy and compassion to other people's preferences when it comes to language that feels good to them. It's that, you know, 
people people first language is offensive to some because they want um, identity first language, right? Uh, which is great for some. But for my son Caleb, he does not like being referred to as an autistic. He doesn't. He's Caleb first and foremost. Actually, early on, it was because he thought people thought his name was autistic. Oh. Uh, so then he was like, no, I'm not autistic. I don't. Yeah, no, I'm no, Caleb. Caleb. I'm Caleb. No, my name is Caleb. I, and I thought it was this real profound, you know, statement of, of, oh my gosh, like, look, he's like, look at this awareness. Awareness. And how profound is this? And it's like, no, like he was actually confused thinking people thought he was autistic. So, but it has evolved. And he says, well, sometimes I don't care to share with people that I have autism and I'm, and you know, you respect that. So the identity first language doesn't really work for him because he decides when and how he wants to share who he is and, and things of that nature. And then symbols are also very controversial. Um, some people loathe and despise the puzzle piece. People hate the color blue. Um, and it's just, if, yeah, if I shared all of the email messages I get uh, on a monthly basis, especially in the month of April, which is Autism Awareness Month, we're not. E- some people are even very disagreeable about the world, the word awareness. Really? Oh my goodness, I can't even win when it comes to awareness. And also, people get very upset about the word acceptance because, well, you know, I'm not going to accept blah 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 blah. Um, so it's just very polarizing. And Sounds like it. Yeah. Uh- judgmentalness is alive and well across but in all our communities own community it's I, so our mission statement yeah. is so i'm with the isaac foundation and our mission statement is empowering those touched by autism one connection at a time we're really big in connection and for each person yeah. that looks very different because uh, connection builds community it builds you know um just a, a feeling of belonging <clears throat> But what's interesting about it is it's not um, empowering that offends people. It's um, not the connection that offends people. It's the word touched by autism. And when we have these conversations, it's like, well, what's so offensive about the word touch? Well, for some, they feel that we're minimizing their experience as whether it be a self-advocate or a parent because, you know, they're impacted. But for others, they feel like, well, impacted is a very strong and heavy word. And while, yes, I have autism, like it's who I am, it's part of my identity, and I don't, impacted kind of feels like it's negative. So, and you also have to think of the broader context, like parents are touched by autism. They don't have autism, but they're touched by it. Grandparents are touched by autism. Teachers are touched by autism. Employers. Employers are touched by autism. And so, and that's, we serve such a huge group of people and we're building those connections in all of those sectors. First responders are touched by autism, that it feels like a word that's more uh, all encompassing. And yet, I took on some uh, hail fire on social media because of the word touched. And, you know, we ended up agreeing to disagree and I'm never going to change their mind and they're not going to change my right. mind. And I'm not changing my mission statement anytime soon. Um, it's pretty inclusive. I mean, you know, so we're just going to agree to disagree. And we left it in a positive note. But still, there is so much uh, oh debate and fear feelings around what language we choose. And so then when we talk about that, how can we then get ourselves activated in one direction to be advocating for bigger change when we can't even in our own community come up with safe language, safe, or agree to accept everybody for their preferences? Right. 
how are we, you know, so it's a little bit hard. Uh, well, yeah, you start building those walls up and then the mm -hmm. fear comes in. You, you touched on earlier about, you know, the fear of saying something wrong. Yes. I was for sure in that boat. When I uh, came to Skillskin, you know, I really didn't know about the disability community all that much. Um, I was totally in fear. I was like, I am going to screw this up. Well, and I, I got to say, I was very, very fortunate because the very first week I was part of that organization, we had a big manager's meeting, brought everyone from around the country. You were there. Oh, you did autism in the wild. And I remember you, you were saying, just starting with the company very then? very first day Seriously? you were doing that class. Because you seemed like <laughs> that you had been there for forever. And I was just like, oh, okay, like this is the guy. Like he's, you know, oh, I had no idea that yeah, was your first that was day. day one. <laughs> I had no clue. Wow, you duped me, man. Like that just goes to show you, like you seem like you had been doing it for forever. Well, I like to engage, right? I'm a curious person. And when yeah. you gave me the permission to screw up, yes. I was like, hey, tell me more. That's just <laughs> yeah. it. But here's the thing. Why throw stones at people that are actually trying? Because all you're going to do is you're going to then have people, it's more of a stigma. It's like, ooh, hey, I don't want to mess up. And like, oh boy, the last time that happened, here's what happened. Here's a funny story. Not funny, not funny story is that when we were, uh, we do a lot of traveling and, and training first responder teams I mean, statewide, other states, but we were in Vancouver, Washington training their Clark County search and rescue team. And it's actually one of the most diverse and very cool. It's a very big search and rescue team, but very diversified in how the different subsets of types of um, teams that they have that, that do different searching. So it's, it was very cool. Um, we had to take Cooper, who's 19, like I said, significantly impacted. And since COVID, his behaviors have gotten to the point where, um, you know, there's very few people that can care for him because of his, uh, when he has a meltdown, it's pretty ugly. And he's, you know, 265 pounds and almost six foot. So we took my daughter, who's 12, and we took Cooper and we stayed the night in Vancouver, best night ever we stayed in a hotel with a bunch of high school soccer players and the hotel was like say, apologizing. This doesn't sound great <laughs> the, well the hotel was apologizing when we got there because it was crazy town it was the best night awesome it was so awesome because we were not going to be the loudest people there so I it didn't it. matter if he had no. a major meltdown because I went in there and I was like, here's, you know, here's us. Here's, you know, thank you for the room. But can you just like let your staff know that if they get complaints, we have a, a son with a disability and, you know, we'll de-escalate this as best we can. But, you know, sometimes things happen. But if you could just kind of do some interference for us or put us someplace where we're not around anyone. And they were like, well, that's not going to happen because it's like a traveling soccer team. And I was just like, yes. Yeah. Best day ever. But so that was a great experience because, um, you know, he was, he, you know, he had a little bit of some problems. But the next day we did the training for four hours. My daughter walked around the campus with him and there was some great search and rescue team members there that was just kind of like shadowing and just observing, giving him snacks every now and again and, um, you know, supporting us because we, he had to come along because we just didn't trust anybody to be able to take care of him overnight while we were gone. So we decided we are going to celebrate by eating lunch at Red Robin, because um, he loves Red Robin. It, you know, I mean, it's a loud place, so uh -huh. if he's loud, it's not going to matter. Um, very family friendly, loves the food. 
well, everything was fine until it wasn't fine. And normally I can tell like there's precursors to him before Hulk shows up. And I, it was just, none of those warning signs were there. He just stood up and just imagine Hulk loose in a red Robin. Um, and that was our scenario. So John is physically shoving Cooper towards the door and trying to get him out the door while he's trying to charge back in because keep in mind his, he wants his hamburger. Of course. Yeah. Anyway, so it's horrible. My daughter then goes into damage control mode. So she's going table to table. Oh, I'm so sorry. My brother has a disability. We're so sorry to disrupt your lunch. My brother has a disability. I mean, she's goes into execution mode, gets the bill, grabs my phone, pays for it. I mean, she's doing all the things and these very kind people. Now this is 2022. This was just a few weeks ago. Um, they wanted to help us and they said, can we pray for you? And I was like, yeah, that's great. Put us on a prayer chain. So wonderful. Appreciate it so much. That's not what they meant. Uh, what they meant was they wanted to pray with our family, which was very difficult because I needed to get outside because I yeah. now can't see what's happening. For all I know, the police are there. Maybe he's run now. He's loose in a neighborhood. Um, so I'm like, you know, if you know, I got to get outside. Thank you so much. And they said, oh, we'll help carry your things out. Well, they came outside prayed with my husband, which was very nice of them to do. And then they came around to the side where we had, he had gotten him in the car and he was still flailing around. We couldn't get in the car with him because it wasn't safe. And, um, then they started praying for Cooper, but it, this is how it sounded. Um, in the name of Jesus Christ, Satan, leave this body and la, 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 which was great. Cause my daughter oh came my out of the gosh. restaurant and she sits on the curb and she starts crying because you know, it was like, she got out of there. She went into action mode. She got out there, sat on the curb, started sobbing. Um, and then of course this happens and she's observing it. And then she's like bursting out laughing because in 2022, these people think that this is, um, a possession of right. Satan. And you know what? So many things were so funny about that and awesome about that and horrible about it all in the same time. And my husband was super calm. And I was just like, cause my fear was like, oh my gosh, my husband might assault these people, but he was super calm. And it was just like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. And, uh, wow. I know. <laughs> and so he calms down and we're like, Hey, thanks so much. We jump in the car and we like take off just to get a few blocks away. Cause it's just always better to get just in case, you know, somebody decides to call the police, not understanding what they're saying. Clearly they yep. think Satan's possessed this body. <laughs> um, but the thing about it that was interesting is, um, I, I was mad and he, I was like, I can't believe that you're not upset about it and he says well but they honestly thought they were helping you know what I mean so to what you're saying is is that you're so worried about making a mistake and in my mm. opinion these people made a major mistake yeah but for my yeah one. epic <laughs> horrible mistake but my husband's perspective is is that they truly felt like they were helping and how can you be mad at them from trying to do something the only thing that they knew how to do was to pray in that instance and well compel Satan to leave his body but the, <laughs> the all joking aside my husband did point out he says well he did actually stop thrashing around the car after that so and we have done a lot of therapy interventions in the past none of which have been a exorcism they so have the superpower perhaps maybe like all along <laughs> this was something we should have set out sooner it turns out that wasn't um didn't actually do anything because you know obviously we've had meltdowns since then but it's just what you're saying it's like i was super offended and i was crying i was halfway because now i have a five-hour drive ahead of us right. and so i spent a lot of it like sobbing like oh my gosh it's 2022 and um, this is the world, it, we in live the world in. that we live in there's still a population of people that feel as though um you know faith or compelling satan to leave the body because you know 
like I said, if you don't know what you're looking at and maybe you've never seen that before, it might look as though um, there's some demonic, uh, you know, possession there. But, you know, it was really an interesting thing to unpack because as time has gone by, I am having better perspective because I was feeling very defeated. Like, look, this is the world that we have to try and educate. Yeah, the mountain we're climbing. Yes. But like he says, you know, but are you going to persecute them and be mad at them and like berate them from doing the only thing that they thought to do to help? You know, and so I was like, well, that's true. So, you know, if I'd been in a better place, I'd be like, hey, so this is autism. Yeah. Here's my card. You should try doing a training with us. Um, but I was not in that place. Yeah, I, I can't was, imagine so. Was, you know, it was pretty horrible. Um, one of the mm. worst public meltdowns we have ever had. Like just when you think like, whoa, that was yeah. the worst. It's like, oh, no, new level. Um, but that's the thing is that, you know, they tried to help and everybody else was trying not to look at us. Um, and you know, obviously, you know, tables are turned over and drinks are everywhere. And we were a huge center of attention there and everybody is like not making eye contact. And those two people were the only two people in an entire restaurant that did something in an attempt to help. Right. Wasn't the right option. So, you know, again, it's that, you know, being, if you then persecute people and berate them for trying to help, then you're not going to have any opportunity for education and helping people to do better. But I didn't get there for a while there. Well, I can Uh, see why you married your husband. That's a lot of grace. He's a pretty hothead a lot of the times. Like he is, um, you know, zero to 60. Mm. And, you know, um, I'm not saying he doesn't use his fist from time to time. But that's why it's like it shut me up because he was so calm. If he would have gotten agitated, I would have been like, yeah, we're going to be mad about this. But he was so calm and. And yeah, so it's a good thing he's the yin to my yang because we it. get out of these situations. But the awesome thing about it was it was, you know, my, we've experienced all sorts of, you know, unique situations in our family having two boys with autism. And, and she is, she definitely, as a girl, she is very emotional. She loves her brothers fiercely, but she also gets really annoyed because like it, he, we didn't, she didn't get to eat her lunch right. and she was mad and she was embarrassed. I mean, she got us all out of there and she executed on the skills, but I was kind of glad that did happen because when we came back and she saw her counselor on Monday, cause she does regular counseling, um, it could have gone had that not happened. And she didn't have that funny cause she literally came back and was telling everybody and she reenacts it. And it's a, fantastic reenactment of them compelling Satan out of out of his body it's pretty fantastic and she's just laughing 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 because that was like one of the best things like she has seen in a long time and it's super funny went to school told her teacher about it and I'm sure they're like oh my gosh like this is so horrible but then you know they don't know whether they should laugh or um like you know so and when she went to the counselor it wasn't the I hate my life and these you know it's so hard I hate having brothers with autism she was like saying oh my gosh and these idiots think that that was the call um and so there was a lot. A different way of exposing people to, you know, what's happening. Yeah. I know from an employer's perspective, too, it's like it happens. Ugh. You know, we see it, you know, yeah. from time to time, you know, in our operations. And yeah. it's like, how, how do you deal with that? Well, you know, you get trained, you learn, have some grace. It's grace. Yeah. And people are going to mess it up. And I, again, my only regret is that, you know, there's no opportunity to reconnect with these people and say, hey, that was so nice what you did for us. But here's how you could, like, pray for us, put us on a, on a prayer chain. But here's a better way you can help us is, you know, not making a public. <laughs> uh, well, it was, we were already public. Uh, <laughs> so we didn't need also that added on top of it. But all sorts of great opportunities. Well, we it's... Do. 
one of many stories, I'm sure. That you Our have. work and, is yeah. never done. No. Our work is never done. But hopefully, you know, when you're, uh, you know, at the school board um, tomorrow and that, uh, you know, panel, you get to kind of say the, the things that others won't. And maybe yes. we can help evolve, you know, uh, our world a little bit. Well, and it's being constructive. Mm-hmm. Finding ways that we can educate people in a constructive way because no one wants to you know, feel attacked. So, I mean, if nothing else, that's what we're trying to do. Well, the work that you're doing, the work that the Isaac Foundation is doing, it's just, it's incredible. I'm so glad that you're here today. I'm wondering, you know, our listeners, we, we love hearing about what's happening in the world, the, the good work that's going on. Is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners that's on your mind right now? I don't think so. There's so many things on my mind, Steve. How would I just <laughs> dial in on one? That's why, I mean, I How about do. some words of advice when they see a meltdown? Oh, you know, usually if you see a meltdown, I think the nicest thing that you can do is you just stand next to that family and say, what can I do to support you right now? And if someone says nothing and it's like, well, let me just stand here and run some interference for you. Because sometimes I, I can't really honestly tell you what you could do to help me. But if you stood there and just offered some interference, like, you know, that would be amazing. So Sage words. Yeah. I you mean, heard it right here. Oh, so many. See, now you're putting me on the spot. I have a lot of great one-liners, and now I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I, none of them are coming to mind. It was so. very good. Thank you. Holly, Thank thanks you. For, ha- ha- for being here today. We really appreciate you. I, yeah. Thanks for having me. Like, the opportunity to come and share my gift of gab, I mean, doesn't get any better. Whoop, whoop. Here we are. Thanks. Thanks.